WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by Special Light Indicator in Benton Harbor. There's a good chance you've walked through a Special Light door when you go to a local restaurant, school, store, or plant. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. Dredging is underway this week in St. Joseph Harbor and will move on to South Haven next week. U.S. Army Corps of Engineers civil engineer Christopher Schropp tells us King Company of Holland has been hired to handle the dredging. He notes the Army Corps regularly dredges commercial harbors like in St. Joe, but when it comes to recreational harbors, the federal government has to approve special funds. What if recreational harbors weren't dredged? From a recreational standpoint, it would have an effect. Essentially, it would close a lot of these shallow draft harbors that we only maintained uh, 12 or 14 feet. In a lot of cases, like the city of New Buffalo and some other harbors, they're forced to find ways to fund it on their own when, when they don't receive the federal funds for it. The harbor in South Haven is recreational only. It's a harbor of refuge. At one point, it may have been, had some commercial industry, but for the most part now, it's all recreational use. Schropp says sand will be pulled from the harbor in South Haven next week to replenish South Beach. Here in St. Joe, they're pumping the sand near Park Street. The Army Corps has been replenishing beaches along Lake Michigan this year to make up for erosion caused by high water levels the last two years. In both St. Joseph and South Haven, the dredging operation takes about three days. Former Benton Harbor Mayor Charles Mickey Yarborough has been honored by the Berrien County Board of Commissioners. About a month after his death, Yarborough died June 21st at the age of 82. At a meeting today, Berrien County Board of Commissioners Chair Mac Elliott read a resolution in Yarborough's honor. Now, therefore, be it hereby resolved that the Berrien County Board of Commissioners deems it appropriate to formally recognize and honor Charles L. Mickey Yarborough, who spent a good portion of his life serving the citizens of the Benton Harbor community, the county of Berrien, and our country. Charles Yarbrough's wife, Commissioner Mamie Yarbrough, thanked the board. Whatever he did, he did it the best he could and for as long as he could. So thank you all for this beautiful resolution. Yarbrough was a Benton Harbor City Commissioner from 1971 to 2003, an Army veteran and a juvenile probation officer from 1970 to 2001. There will be a memorial service for Yarbrough this Saturday at Charles L. Yarbrough Park in Benton Harbor at 4 p.m. The Berrien County Health Department is receiving funds from the state to help prevent monkeypox from spreading in the county. Berrien County Board of Commissioners today voted to accept $15,000 from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services for monkeypox virus response. The funding will be used for staff time, communications, and wraparound services. So far, there haven't been any monkeypox cases found in Berrien, Cass, or Van Buren counties. The Board of Commissioners accepted the funding today without comment. The Berrien County Road Department is offering to pay for a commercial driver's license training for prospective employees who wish to join its ranks. Engineering Supervisor Kevin Stack tells us it's getting hard to find people with a CDL, and the classes can cost up to $5,000. So the department's offering to pay for the classes at Lake Michigan College's CDL program with the goal of retaining employees for at least two years. Not everyone has that money just to go front it and then go find a job, especially, you know, in this environment. So now it's the point, hey... You come work with us without a CDL, you sign a contract that, you know, within 12 months, you will obtain your CDL. Once you obtain that CDL from that point, you have to work with us for two years. Any employee who leaves before the two years is up will have to pay the county back for the classes. Job seekers can find the Road Department at the Berrien County Youth Fair through Saturday. They're out there recruiting. You could also visit the department website for more information. Southwest Michigan's community colleges don't fare very well in the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Tobacco Free Report Card for Michigan Colleges and Universities. 
The department released a report card and a report on tobacco use on Michigan campuses this week. Public health consultant Amanda Gallagher tells us about 21% of 18 to 24-year-olds use e-cigarettes. Regular tobacco products are extraordinarily harmful. There's a lot we don't know about e-cigarettes and other types of vapor products. So we're definitely concerned about many of the things that have been found in them. About 11% of that age group smokes. Gallagher says only about a third of Michigan college campuses are totally tobacco-free. Smoking isn't allowed inside or outside. Also, vaping isn't allowed anywhere on campus. When I say 100%, that means no exemptions. The tobacco-free report card gives both Lake Michigan College and Southwestern Michigan College a D with 65%. It says they have designated smoking areas, including for e-cigarettes. Andrews University gets an A with 95%. The state health department's offering colleges and universities help implementing tobacco-free policies, and there are grants that colleges can pursue to help. Prior to the Granger-Smith concert at the Berrien County Youth Fair last night, 97.5 Y Country Morning host Matt Malone took the stage to announce his departure from the station. He also passed the torch off to his interim replacement, Mark McGill, the current on-field MC for the South Bend Cubs and host at 96.1 The Ton in South Bend. McGill says he's looking forward to filling the Y Country seat and spending more time in Southwest Michigan until a replacement for Malone is found. I love St. Joe. I love downtown. I love Silver Beach. I love Silver Beach Pizza. Dean Clock Park is our favorite. I mean, I just, I, I really, when I say I couldn't be more thrilled to uh, to be on the radio there, uh, I, it's really just the truth. We love the area. Uh, again, been around uh, about 20 years here, and uh, I'm not going anywhere. Malone's last day is tomorrow before he heads off to his new opportunity in Indianapolis. McGill will take over on Monday. And the Tri-State Regatta will sail into St. Joseph on September 3rd, and the St. Joseph River Yacht Club will celebrate with its annual Tri-State Regatta party. Club manager Ray Mays tells us everything starts with breakfast at 7 a.m., then lunch at noon, and finally dinner at 6 p.m., from there, the party goes until midnight. Dancing, we have merchandise, we have the pool available. It's just family fun for all. May says the annual party is a big event for the Yacht Club. And it's open to the public, and it's a great time, September 3rd at St. Joseph River Yacht Club. They'll have multiple dinner options, and there will be a cost to eat. However, the party is open to anyone who pays the $5 cover. Libido Funk Circus will perform, and the pool will be open. The boats for the Tri-State Regatta will sail into St. Joe September 3rd. They'll then head off to Michigan City and back to Chicago where they started the trip. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues. A federal judge said today he's leaning toward releasing a redacted version of the affidavit at that underpinned the FBI search of former President Donald Trump's Florida home. More from ABC's Aaron Katursky. The same federal magistrate who authorized the search said he was not prepared to keep the affidavit fully sealed. Instead, Deanna Shulman, who represents news organizations, including ABC News, expected at least portions of it to be unsealed. He understands that the public is going to likely be entitled to some parts of this warrant application and its affidavit. It's not clear how much of it could be unsealed. The Justice Department has a week to propose redactions. Prosecutors said the investigation into classified material at Trump's estate is in its early stages. Aaron Katursky, ABC News, New York. 
U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham has formally appealed a judge's order requiring him to testify before a special grand jury investigating whether former President Trump and others illegally sought to overturn his 2020 election defeat in Georgia. A judge had ruled the South Carolina Republican comply with prosecutors' efforts to compel him to testify August 23rd about his phone calls to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and his staff after the election. Graham's appeal was made yesterday, the same day that former campaign attorney Rudy Giuliani spent roughly six hours before the special grand jury in Atlanta. Meanwhile, one of former President Trump's allies and the former chief financial officer at his company, Alan Weisselberg, entered a guilty plea in New York City court today. Weisselberg is accused of helping executives at the Trump Organization cheat on their taxes. Weisselberg also is charged with taking nearly $2 million in off-the-books compensation from the Trump Organization over several years. Weisselberg will have to pay those millions back and will serve five months in prison. Weisselberg himself avoided nearly $2 million in taxes, and he has to pay that back plus interest, $1.94 million total. Weisselberg took fringe benefits like a couple of Mercedes-Benz cars, a luxury apartment on Riverside Drive on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and private school tuition for his grandchildren in lieu of financial compensation. But according to the indictment, that meant nobody had to pay any taxes on that stuff. A judge refused to grant bail to the man accused of trying to kill Salman Rushdie as the acclaimed author prepared to give a talk in western New York. Hadi Matar appeared in a western New York courtroom after a grand jury indicted him on charges that he rushed the stage and stabbed Rushdie multiple times. During the court hearing, public defender Nathaniel Barone asked the judge to do something to stop reporters from trying to contact the would-be assassin at the jail. The lawyer said the jail had received several hundred phone calls. The White House says more monkeypox vaccines are on the way. The Biden administration announced more than a million of the shots will be available for states to order as the U.S. now counts more than 12,000 cases of monkeypox. More from ABC's Justin Finch in Washington. Starting Monday, the White House says states can begin orders from a stock of 1.8 million monkeypox vaccine doses. The White House's monkeypox response coordinator, Bob Fitton, says a pilot program will direct 50,000 doses to events hosting vulnerable groups, including men who have sex with other men. We're announcing that states and localities will be able to request and receive additional vaccines to support vaccination efforts at large LGBT events. Justin Finch, ABC News, Washington. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky has met with the U.N. chief and Turkey's leader in Ukraine. Little progress was reported on expanding Ukraine's grain exports as the situation at a Russia-occupied nuclear power plant and efforts to help end the war continue. It was the Turkish president Recep's first visit to Ukraine since the outbreak of the war and the second by UN Secretary, the U.N. Secretary General. The leaders also talked about exchanges of prisoners of war and a proposed U.N. fact-finding mission to a prison in Russian-occupied Ukraine where 53 POWs were killed last month. Dozens of books are facing a ban in one Texas school district. More from ABC's Derek Dennis. 41 books, including the Bible, being pulled from libraries and classrooms in the Keller Independent School District in Fort Worth, Texas, to undergo a review. The Texas Tribune reports the move comes after parents, lawmakers, and community members raise concerns about topics in the books such as race, sexuality, and gender identity. Among those in contention, The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison and Gender Queer, a memoir by Maya Kobabi. The books are being reviewed against a new Keller ISD book policy that flags graphic, gratuitous, sexually explicit content. Derek Dennis, ABC News. Russian fans of Starbucks are getting a chance to see if a homegrown successor can measure up. 
After the U.S. company left Russia following its invasion in Ukraine, entrepreneurs who bought the assets are now opening shops in former Starbucks locations around Russia this week. They have the nearly identical name of Stars Coffee and a logo, almost indistinguishable from its predecessors. The venture follows the strategy of reviving closed McDonald's outlets under a new name, but with a fundamentally same menu. Russian entrepreneurs saw opportunity in suddenly unoccupied stores after Western companies exited the country. And for the first time ever, streaming TV has topped cable TV. More from ABC's Jason Nathanson. Thanks to shows like Netflix's Stranger Things. It's time. More time was spent streaming shows than watching cable television in the U.S. in July for the first time ever. That according to Nielsen. In their monthly snapshot, The Gauge, streaming snagged 34.8% of all viewing, compared to cable's 34.4%. Netflix made up the biggest chunk of that at 8%. Before this, cable previously had the highest share of all TV watching. Streaming is up over 20% from last year, while cable is down almost 10%. Broadcast, which has a much smaller share than both, also down 10% from 2021. Jason Nathanson, ABC News, Hollywood. WSJM News now continues with your weather forecast.